I want to read some further scripture concerning the Holy Spirit. Let's look here in 1 Corinthians. Let's look in the third chapter, the 16th verse. Notice that Paul says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. That's King James translation. I want you to notice the Amplified translation. It's more explicit. Do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth, are God's temple, his sanctuary, and that the Spirit of God has his permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you, collectively as a church, and also individually. Then notice again in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Right to the individuals here now. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. Now I want to talk about your body, the temple of the Holy Ghost, and I want to talk about the church, the temple of the Holy Ghost. Now let's read some further scripture. In 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, I think it would be good for us to begin with the 14th verse and read through the 16th verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part has he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I'll dwell in them and walk in them, and I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. Now let's go over that real carefully. Writing to the church at Corinth, it has an individual application, and it also has a, a corporate a application. That is the whole body, the whole group. First, be not ye unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You see, the believer is called a believer. Unbelievers are called unbelievers. What fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? The believer is called righteousness. That's who he is. Because, you see, the Bible said in 2 Corinthians 5.21, Him who knew no sin was made to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so he said, therefore, what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? The believer is called righteousness, the unbeliever is called unrighteousness. And what communion hath light with darkness? The believer is called light, the unbeliever is called darkness. And what concord or agreement hath Christ with Belial. We call it Belial sometimes. Actually, the correct pronunciation is Belial. Now, notice that the believer is called Christ. 
The unbeliever is called Belial or Belial. Or what part has he that believeth with an infidel? Again, the believer is called a believer, the non-believer is called an infidel. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? The believer is called the temple of God, the unbeliever is called idols. Now notice, for ye are the temple of the living God. Hallelujah. You see, it's through the Holy Ghost that God indwells us and lives in us. And ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I'll be their God and they shall be my people. Now again, the Amplified Translation says that God said, I'll dwell in them and among them and walk in them and among them. Because you see, he indwells each one of us individually, your body, a temple of God, and the church, the temple of God. Then we remember also that marvelous verse of scripture in 1 John, 1st epistle of John, chapter 4, verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Hallelujah. Now then, let's talk about, first of all, your body, a temple of the Holy Ghost, or your body, the house of God. First of all, there are three things in connection with the New Testament. We have a better covenant than they had under the old, you know. First of all, you see, God is for us. Remember there in Romans 8, 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. Well, now in the Old Testament, they had God for them. And thank God we've got God for us. He's on my side. I'm on his side. Friends, if God is for us, then there can't be any failure because God can't fail. If we'll just learn to let him have his way with us, you see. Of course, you can fail apart from him. That's the problem. We try, so to speak, to paddle our own canoe apart from him. But to have God for you guarantees success in life. God's not a failure, is he? Praise God. So God is for us. And then secondly, the Bible teaches us that God is with us. Hallelujah. Now you see, uh, God was with Israel in the Old Testament. If God is with us, again, we're bound to succeed. That is, providing we cooperate with him, let him have his way with us. If we're going to endeavor to walk separate from him, paddle our own canoe, so to speak, then we're not going to have his help. But thank God he is our helper. He is with us. But you see, God was with Israel. God was for Israel. But here's where our covenant is better than theirs. God is in us. Hallelujah. Now you see there in the Old Testament, 
uh, they built God a house to live in. First, the, 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 the tabernacle, and finally then they built him a temple, a house. And the presence of God was kept shut up in the Holy of Holies. And, and, and that divine presence, they called it the Shekinah glory. Nobody dare approach under that presence except under the right circumstances or they just fell dead instantly. And because, you see, that was, that building is the house of God, then it was required of every male that he present himself at least once a year up there in the presence of God, in God's house. But you see, under the new covenant, Praise God, God no longer dwells in earth made holy of holies. We call this building here sometime the church house building, the house of God. If we mean that's God's house because God lives there, dwells there, we're wrong. If we mean we built it for his glory and going to use it for a sanctuary to worship God, well, fine, it does belong to him. But see, he doesn't indwell that building. He indwells the body of Christ, which is his church, which is the temple of God. And he indwells us individually. Are you following me? Now you see, when, when Jesus died, you remember one remarkable thing that happened when Jesus died there on the cross? And Jesus cried out, it is finished. Now some people mistakenly said, well, the, the plan of salvation was finished. No, it wasn't. The plan of salvation wasn't finished until after Jesus died, arose from the dead, and ascended into the heavenly holies of holies with his own blood, as the book of Hebrews tells us, to obtain an eternal redemption for us. Now, what did he mean when he said it's finished then? Well, all right, you read it, you check it real carefully, and you'll find out when Jesus said it's finished, that there in the temple, the curtain that curtained off the holies of holies that kept God's presence shut up was rent in twain from top to bottom. Flavius Josephus, the Jewish historian, tells us that that curtain was 40 feet across, 20 feet high, and four inches thick. And up there, 20 feet in there. Now notice it didn't say it's rent. That means it's torn right half in two. It didn't say it was rent in twain from bottom to top. It said from top to bottom. Some unseen being, an angel of God up there 20 feet in there got a hold up with his hands and ripped it apart. And God moved out of earth made holies of holies. And that's a kind of glory, that divine presence. Praise God is not only for us and with us as it was for Israel and with Israel, but in us. Hallelujah. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. My, if we ever realized who's in us and what's in us and the power available, we'd take off like one of these rockets. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Praise God. Greater is he that's in you. I don't know when that just sends a thrill through my spirit every time I say it. I'll tell you, I've found out in life when I hit the hard places, and we all do, dear friends. We're not immune the crisis of life comes to all of us. Because you see, dear friends, Satan is the God of this world. We're surrounded by darkness. Nothing else, the devil's going to put pressure on you. And we'll face the crisis of life. And we all face the same trials and, 
and test and so on and so forth. But in the midst of them, I found in time past, if I'll just stand still in the midst of the storm, when the storms of life have come, and the winds are blowing, and the thunder and the lightning's all around me, just to speak out calmly, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. He's greater than any test. He's greater than any trial. He's greater than any storm. He's greater than any crisis. He's greater than any sickness. He's greater than any disease. He's greater than any demon. He's greater than any evil spirit. Glory to God. He's the greater one. What's the greater one doing in us? Did he just hitchhike a ride with us through life? Is he just a spiritual hitchhiker? No, thank God he's in there to put us over. He's in there to help us. Oh, glory to God. And you remember back there in John's gospel again, that 14th chapter and the 16th verse when Jesus said, I'll pray the Father and he'll send you another comforter. The Greek word paraclete is translated comforter in the King James. In many other translations, he's translated helper. The word literally means one called alongside to help, but he's not only alongside to help, he's in us. Uh, but then I like the amplified translation again. But for it gives you the sevenfold meaning of the word translated comforter. One of them is comforter. But it not only means comforter, it means helper. It means intercessor. Praise God. It means a, a lawyer or counselor. Counselor. He's a counselor or a lawyer or one who pleads our case or pleads our cause. Praise God. And, and, and he's, he's a standby and he's a strengthener. Hallelujah and advocate those seven. Glory to God. And, and, and he's in me. He's in me a strengthener. He's in me a standby. What does that mean, standby? Well, you know, you, 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 don't, you don't need him when everything's going good so much. I mean, what, what do you need? I remember, you know, a number of years ago, my wife and I were going from church to church, uh, holding meetings sometimes, standing anywhere from three to nine weeks. And we got tired of staying in motel, so we bought us a little travel trailer, put it along behind a car, a 26-foot travel trailer. We enjoyed it immensely. But I had a, a, a car trying to get be economical. You know, gasoline, of course, didn't cost like it does now. But, uh, but out here on these plains of Kansas and so on, and, you know, when you're on pretty level ground, you, you have any problems pulling that trailer. Man, just go on with it. But when you hit the Rockies... It bogged down because it just had a two-barrel carburetor and they didn't have that extra strength in there, didn't have that extra power in there. There wasn't any standby. So I traded that off and I got me a four-barrel carburetor, the one that had more horses under the hood, see? Now, I couldn't tell any difference. Out here on the plains... Pulling that trailer, I couldn't tell any, or just little old minor heels like we'd have here in Oklahoma or something, I couldn't tell any difference than the other car, you see. But when I hit the Rockies, oh boy, and I pushed down on that foot feed. Brother, I went right on up over the mountain. I didn't stall out like I did before and have to just sort of keep it in low and creep up. I remember pulling the trailer one time, uh, going west. I had to go up one mountain five miles an hour before we got our freeways, you know, and there's a working head. And so I slowed down and lost my speed, and I had to go five miles an hour all the way up that thing. Because, you see, if you got above five, 
it would, uh, anywhere from 510, it would jump over into another gear and then it'd stall out and stop on you. So I couldn't get over this, see, because it didn't have enough power in these other gears to pull it. I had to keep it down there in low, low, you see. And finally, you know, just pull it down into that lowest and keep it there, you see, with the car and crep up the thing five mile an hour. But when I got that bigger car with the bigger engine, with the bigger carburetor, with a four barrel instead of two barrel, praise God, I just went right on up. See, I, I didn't need that power that was under the hood. I didn't need those extra horses out here on the plains when things are running smooth, you know, and just a few little old minor heels. I didn't need that extra power, but it was standing by all the time. It was in there. And when I hit the hard places, when I hit the real big mountains, glory to God, and just pushed down on the accelerator, that standby. That's what he mean when he said he's a standby. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. That's what he meant. He said he's a standby and he's in me. That's where he is. He's in me. He's just standing by in there waiting to hit the mountain. So see, it don't bother me to see the mountains up ahead. Whoa, when I get there, I know I've got to stand by in there. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And so you'll look back in life. You'll look back in life. And, and you remember those times that he was the standby. You wasn't hardly conscious that he was in there. Everything's a running smooth and everything's lovely, but you hit the hard spots. I remember on one occasion, way back 1949, I left the last church I pastored in 1949. First Sunday of February 1949, I preached my farewell message morning and night uh, that Sunday to my church and went out on the field and field ministry. The next Sunday, second Sunday, February 1949, I preached my first message out there and, 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 and uh, God had called me and dealt with me supernatural. And I had supernatural manifestations. But you know, preachers are just as human, just as natural as you are. It isn't always the easiest thing in the world to surrender and consecrate to the will of God. It's hard on the flesh. And you know, my wife and I had been married 10 wonderful and beautiful years and just a little bit more. And we just had heaven on earth. And we had two beautiful children and here she's got to stay home to raise the children because they've got to be kept in school. They have to be educated. And I'm gone so much of the time. And I remember after several months of that, I just said the price is too big to pay. It's just too hard. I'm going to go back to pastor. And not only that, but see, when you step out to do something for God, when you step ahead to do something for God, then all the demons of hell get aroused. And I'll tell you the truth about the matter. There in 1949, see, I'd been in the ministry since 1934, so 15 years in the ministry. But I'll tell you the truth about it. In a matter of four months' time, or five months' time, I fought more demons than I had 15 years put together, multiplied by 10. I mean, they ganged up on you. Because, you see, if they could have kept me out, well, we wouldn't be here today and many things wouldn't be happening that are happening. Are you listening to me? And so that's the reason hell just brought all force out against me. And then I, in my immaturity and so on and so forth, just said, well, it's just too much. I'm going to go back to pastor. So in June, the first week of June, I attended a convention and there I saw the pastors and I didn't want to misput anybody. And so I, I contacted these pastors because there, other evangelists there, and they could contact the evangelists, you know, to take my place. 
And so I had a meeting for the last three weeks of June. And of course, you didn't want to cancel out on him. But I cancel out July. And I cancel out August. And I cancel out, well, everything for the rest of the year. Just cancel them out. And every pastor was agreeable. And he went to get someone else that was there, you know, to fill that spot. And so I went ahead and preached. I didn't have anywhere to go, but I just said, I'm going back to pastor. And so... I was preaching this meeting, this three weeks meeting down in East Texas, and, and I was invited to, to consider a certain church. In fact, it was the best church in East Texas. That is full gospel church of that particular denomination, the most spiritual, and had really the most money, paid you the most way back there in 19, way back there in 1949. You see, it didn't sound pretty good now, but they furnished your parsonage and furnished you nearly everything and paid you a large sum of money. Absolutely phenomenal. And so uh, 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 I had preached revival there, and the board said, if you want it, you can have it. No use you come and try out, but a few new ones have come. So why don't you come and, and preach one Sunday, and then we'll, if you want to church, we'll guarantee you'll have it. And, and so well, I had a Sunday off before I would go there to preach. And so on July the 10th, 1949, my wife and I and our children went over to another town, actually to Mineola, Texas. Uh, and we visited there in the church, the First Assembly of God Church. And I was sitting in the men's Bible class, the older men's Bible class. Uh, it wasn't in the main sanctuary. It was in a special room. And, and the pastor was teaching. He tried to get me to teach. And I said, oh, no, no, you're already prepared. And I didn't come prepared. Go ahead and teach a lesson. And then there was two other ministers there that day, ordained ministers of the gospel. Just happened to be traveling and stopped by. And he tried to get them to teach. And they said, no, we didn't prepare. You prepared. Go ahead and teach. We'll just sort of back you up. And so we, uh, we, we, he, he began to teach a lesson. And right in the middle of his lesson, I had a heart attack. My heart stopped. I fell off. I started to get up. What I was going to do was get out. But instead of that, I fell right over on my face and, and, and just, just flat hit the floor. Actually, I managed to get my hand up under my nose where it just didn't hit the floor. It did fall on my hand. I temporarily, it was out really, and fell right at that preacher's feet. Well, he reached down and picked me up. And then I said, I'm going over to the pastor's next door. And I got one of these other ministers to go with me. And so my heart picked up then. It actually literally stopped for a few moments. And then it began to beat, but really it didn't begin to beat. It began to race. You could not distinguish a, 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 a beat. You could feel the pulse here, a feel here. You couldn't feel a beat. And I began to get cold all over, just as cold as ice. You, you could lay your hand on my chest and you could feel just, just a, something a quivering like. And that's about all. You could not distinguish the beats. And so when we got over the house, I lay down on the bed, uh, uh, there in the parsonage, and I said to this minister with me, feel in my heart. When he fell to my heart, and he tried to get a beat in my pulse and here, and then, and then he just ran out of the room crying. And he got the pastor and that other minister, and they came in, and he said, he said to them, feel in his heart. And all three of those fellows, and they fell to my heart, they began to cry. They said to me later that, that you were dead on our hands. But just about, and I know, I know, I've been dead twice. I, I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly when the circulation cuts off and you're way down at the end of your toes and you suddenly go numb and your, your feet and your ankles and your knees and your hips and your stomach and your heart and you leap out of your body like a diver would leap off of a diving board in a swimming pool. I, I know I've been there twice and I was right at the point of leaping out of my body, the inward man, the spirit man, when, when that standby rose up in me. Glory to God. I, I felt him away in here. He rose up in me. The standby when the going got the roughest, amen, he was there. 
he was there, the standby, rose up in me just like something, almost taking a shape and a form, up into my mind, quick into my mind, and I knew just as much as I knew my name. I knew and saw where I'd missed it. And I began to cry out, Lord, I missed it. I'm wrong. Forgive me. Dear God, forgive me. Forgive me. I'll never entertain the idea of passing the church again the longest day I live unless you put it in my mind. You forgive me. Well, he forgave me, praise God. And then I thought that was all of it. I've done what he said do. But then the standby on the inside of me, the strengthener, hallelujah, he said to me, get your wife. I said to one of the preachers, run and get my wife quick. And so he ran out of the building like a shot and ran from the, from the parsonage over to the Sunday school annex to the women's Bible class. But the Spirit of God had already alerted my wife. When this minister appeared at the door, she was already getting up and gathering up her purse and her belongings. And she saw him in emotion. He said, come quickly. She said, something's wrong with Kenneth, isn't it? Yes. And so she rushed in. Well, I didn't know what she was going to do. I didn't know why God wanted her to come. But when she rushed in and saw me there on the bed, I remember she fell on her knees and began to cry out loud, Oh, Lord, I feel like it's my fault. Uh, you know, and I didn't know it. She hadn't said anything to me. I was on the inside of me, not out loud, but on the inside of me. Uh, and, and he's in there, so he knows what's going on in the inside of you. And, and I was griping and complaining because he has gone so long, weeks at the time. And I'm left at home, left alone with the children. And I was washing the dishes one morning. I heard a voice say, I could take him where he never would come back. And I looked all through the house and behind the doors and under the bed and in the bathroom. And I couldn't find anybody. I thought somebody's playing jokes on me, you know. And then I looked at the doors and they were locked. And she said, Lord, that was you that spoke to me in that audible voice. I'll never complain. I don't care where he goes, how long he's gone. I'll never complain again. Praise God. Well, I'd already made my consecration. Now my wife had to make her. You see, when you're husband and wife, you're in this thing together. My wife's not called to the ministry, but you're in this thing together. Amen. You better get with it because you're responsible. Amen. Are you listening to me? And so then the Spirit of God in me rose up in me again to stand by and said to those three ministers, now I call you to record. You heard the consecration we made. You heard the dedication we made. I call you to record this day. They said we, we go on record as hearing it. And when we did that, the power of God fell on me. Yeah, the Holy Ghost falls. He fell on Cornelius' household. The Holy Ghost fell on me. My heart beat perfectly. I leaped out of bed and began to dance all through the house for I don't know how long. Hallelujah to Jesus. Oh, yes, there's, an, there's a dance under the anointing. We're going to get to that a little later on here. Much of what we see is the flesh. And it's all right to jump and holler for the Lord. They jump and holler for the devil. But there's such a thing as being anointed, praise God. Are you listening to me? By the Holy Ghost and by the Spirit of God. Uh, and so thank God for the standby. Thank God for the standby. So you're not afraid for the mountains that may loom ahead. You're not afraid when you look out ahead yonder and see the storm clouds rising because you know the standby is on the inside of you. Praise God forevermore. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And you can look the storm in the face. Blessed be God when the winds of adversity are blowing and say the greater one's in me. He'll put me over. He'll see me through. Glory to God. I trust in him. Hallelujah to Jesus. Can you say amen? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Now, I want us to look at the other side of the question for just a moment now. Do you not discern, 1 Corinthians 3, 16, do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church at 
Corinth are God's temple, God's house, so to speak. Look at this scripture in connection to that. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6. Well, let's back up here a little bit. I think we'll get more out of it if we will. Let's just start with the first verse of the third chapter of Hebrews. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, or the Greek says confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, insomuch as he who builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ, as a son, over his own house, Whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end? Praise God forevermore. Now then, look in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth, that thou mayest know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of God. We're talking about God's house under the new covenant. It's the church. Remember there in 1 Corinthians 12 again. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has sat in the church. And God has sat in the church. He goes on to mention these ministry gifts. So then, do you not discern, back to 1 Corinthians 3.16 now, reading the Amplified Translation. Do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth, are God's temple, his sanctuary, and that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you. Collectively, as a church, and also individually. Now we've talked a little bit, not everything I'd like to say, about him in you individually. Let's talk about him in us collectively. Do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church, at Corinth are God's temple. 
the whole church there. Well, now you see, there were other churches. There were other buildings, so to speak, in Ephesus. But wherever a body of believers gather together, they are God's temple. That's the reason Jesus said, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything they ask, it'll be done of my Father which is in heaven. The next verse, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Well, now we know he's in us because he said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. But right on the other hand, you see, he's in the midst. That reminds me of 2 Corinthians 6, 16, again, the Amplified Translation. Ye are the temple of the living God. You as an individual, your body's a temple but you as a church. As God has said, I'll dwell, that means live, this verse said here, make your home. I'll dwell in them and among them. I'll live in them and among them. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. He not only wants to manifest himself in us as individuals, he wants to manifest himself among us. And just like there is an anointing in the individual, in being born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, and an anointing even upon those who are minister gifts to stand in that particular office, there's a corporate anointing, so to speak, among us. That's a reason, you see, when, when we realize that, and will cooperate with him, great things will happen. Just marvelous things will happen. You know, we tell sometimes about, oh, what, year and a half ago? In healing school, there's a lady came by here. She was being sent by other doctors to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. The doctors had operated on her some six months before on her thyroid and had accidentally slipped the esophagus. For six months, she hadn't been able to swallow. They had operated on her in that six-month time 11 times. Her neck, I saw it, her neck, 11 different incisions. Her neck, just a solid mass of, of incisions. She still couldn't swallow. She had lost, in that period of time, 90 pounds. She had a tube run up her nose, down into her stomach, and they fed her, you know, through that. Well, I didn't know. I saw the lady sitting back there. I didn't know what the tube was for, whether it's to breathe through or feed her through or what, and I knew nothing about it. But that day, we happened to move with the Spirit of God until we formed a spiritual house, temple for him to indwell. I'll tell you, the presence of God was so real, see, because he's among you. See, we're conscious of him in us and of his manifestation and reality but we should also be conscious of him among us. Until I said to the congregation, you know, I, I tell you, I said his presence is surreal. In fact, I could see it. You know, in the Old Testament, the glory of God moved into the house of God and it looked like a cloud. It filled all the house. The ministers could not stand to minister. The priests couldn't. Now, you remember when that happened? Remember when they dedicated Solomon's temple? That was the house of God there. We are the house of God here. But notice the secret 
Notice the, the ingredients, so to speak. Notice what must be done for that glory to fill the house, whether it was that house then or God's house now. Turn back there with me for just a moment to the Old Testament. And let's look at it. And you can see it very clearly. Very clearly. Fifth chapter of Second Chronicles. Fifth chapter of Second Chronicles. And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place, for all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by course. And the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asap, of Heman, of Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them a hundred and twenty priests, sounding with trumpets. It came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one, in making one sound, one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy endure forever, that then, then the house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Hallelujah. Just like the glory of God, the Lord filled the house of God back there, God wants his glory to fill the house now. And sometimes it can be seen. We sense it. But on this particular day, I could see it just looked like a white cloud. Just looked like, you know, just up above the people's head. I said, the presence of God is so real here. My, it seemed if you had a knife, you'd just cut a chunk of it out and take it home with you. You don't have to wait till you get up here. You don't have to, to be healed. You don't have to come down to the front. Somebody lay hands on you. You see, that corporate anointing is much greater than the individual anointing. Much greater. Much more powerful. Much stronger. And so that lady just said, I didn't know that, but till later, I just received my healing now. In Jesus' name. Reached up and pulled the tube out of her nose. Hadn't had a bite of solid food. Couldn't swallow. For six months. Went across the street over here to the Monterey house and had two Mexican dinners. <laughs> well, she must have been healed, mustn't she? Not have a solid bite of food in your stomach for, for over six months. <laughs> and eat two Mexican dinners. Brother. But she was healed. She was healed. Praise God. I pastored another 12 years, not, not just one church. It's sort of a custom there to begin with and full gospel denomination I was with to, to change pretty often. But there was one church. I never was able to get any other church but that one to that place. But this one particular church that I pastored, and, and we had a service pretty close to what we'd have there, I, I would say on Sunday morning a lot of time because you see, the Sunday morning service in those days, now I'm talking about 1939, 1940, and so on. In those days, on Sunday morning, usually we just had our own people there. We had Sunday school, then we had 11 o'clock morning hour worship. And usually, very seldom did we have any visitors come in. 
Now, on Sunday night was the evangelistic services. We'd fill the building up, run it over on Sunday night. When the weather wasn't real bad like wintertime, we'd have the windows all open because we didn't have air conditioning in 39, 40. And it looked like more people standing outside doors inside. You could, two, two double doors, you know, open. People just standing all the way back to the street in front of you. And then people looking every window, the building full. But on Sunday morning now, they was just us. Now, many times, and, and I realized I was just a 21-year-old boy. I didn't have, hadn't had the Bible in the Holy Ghost very long. I unconsciously, I realized afterwards, you know, I knew it wasn't anything I did because I didn't know much. You know, I mean, in Pentecostal circuits because I've been brought up in Baptist. But, but I unconsciously was yielding to the Holy Ghost. And I would say Sunday morning after Sunday morning, now in those days, and the charismatics can't understand this, some of you older Pentecostals can't, back in those days, because you see, that's still 41 years ago in 42 and 40, yeah, 42. And, 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 and folks would say, uh, the Pentecostal people thought, you know, that you're supposed to have a testimony meeting every time you went to church. And if you didn't, you just backslid. <laughs> and a lot of times you'd call on somebody to lead testimony. But I'd say to them now, see, and, and here's why the Spirit of God had me to say that, you see. You see, we've come together, that church, like the church at Corinth is, is the temple of God. And God's Spirit dwells in you. That church at Farmersville then is the temple of God, the house of God. So I said, I'm going to just sit down here. On, I'm not going to call on anybody to lead the testimony meeting or do anything. I'm going to turn this over to the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm thoroughly convinced that if I passed it, I don't care if I passed a church that had 5,000 people. At least once a week, I'd have a believer's meeting. Now, you've got to have other kind of meetings. I'd say, I'm going to turn this over to the Holy Ghost. I'm going to sit down here. See, it's my responsibility to keep everything flowing right because God put me there. And if it gets out of line, I get up and take it over and straighten it out. But it, we, that didn't happen, not, not once in a blue moon. So I'd just sit down there, you know. I'd say, now, now if you want to, anybody has a course you want to sing, well, just start it off, sing it. Anybody wants to testify, testify. You feel the Spirit of God move on you to give what we call a message up to his tongue? Well, give it. Interpret, interpret. Prophesy, prophesy. Spirit of God moves on you to dance? Get up and start dancing. I'm turning over to the Holy Ghost. I'd sit down. We had some of the most phenomenal services you've ever seen in your lifetime. Now, there was times. And these, you see, now don't misunderstand me. We, we had messages, tongues, interpretations. We sang and worshiped God, praised God, clapped our hands and praised the Lord. And sometimes half the congregation was dancing before the Lord. But you know, those are not the times I remember. Those are not the times that still stand out in my mind. You know what stands out in my mind? See, ordinarily, if the Spirit of God's not moving in some indelible way, I'd dismiss them at 12 o'clock. There's no use hanging around all day. But don't misunderstand me. We stayed sometimes till 1.30 in the afternoon. We stayed sometimes longer than that. I've seen the time that the presence of God moved into that building until the atmosphere looked foggy. The glory came in. There's a holy quietness. We're just in one room. The babies and the children and everybody's in this one room. But there's such a holy quiet. We all just sat there for 45 minutes, sometimes an hour longer. Nobody said a word. Not a baby cried. They sensed that holy presence. It just seemed like you're just basking in the sunlight of his love. Just soaking it up. Just soaking it up. Nobody moved. 
No, we didn't do that every week. We didn't do that every month. We didn't do that every three months. We'd have a variety. It seemed like it'd be different every time. But then again, sometime down the road, six months from now or longer, uh, another service like that. And you just sit there. Nobody said anything. Not a word. Hallelujah. Well, I remember one lady, her husband's unsaved. He'd been off somewhere else. But see, he'd come down there, you know, back in his car to pick her up. Service over. Drove in on the parking lot, you know, the church and, and sat there for a while and rolled the window down. Didn't hear anything. He said himself later, he got out of the car and come up, you know, and stood up. He couldn't see through the window, but got his ear right up against the window. You know, he couldn't hear me preaching. Couldn't hear anything. Everything quiet. He thought, well, Lord, I know they're not all gone. All the cars are here. He just sent him in. He thought, well, maybe the rapture took place and they all left. <laughs> and so he came in. See, he opened the door. I'm sitting on the platform and I, I saw him when he came in. See, the building, just we folk, we, when, when, when just, just the family of God. Now, of course, you didn't, everybody wasn't there. There's a member of the church, but, but a good many of them were. And, and the building's only about half full. So he came in, slipped in there, and sat down on the back pew in the center section. Just sat down there. I'm sitting on, I'm on the only one on the platform, see. And I got my eyes open, you know, the Bible said to watch and pray, so I'm watching and praying. <laughs> and he sat there for a little while. Oh, I don't know, I think it must have been 10 minutes. Nobody said anything. Nobody moved. Nobody said anything. But that presence was there. The glory of the Lord. You know, it said the priest couldn't stand the minister. It said the priest couldn't stand the minister. The glory of God. The cloud filled the house of God. The glory of God. Now you read further about that, you'll find the glory of God is the Holy Ghost. And I watched that fellow. Suddenly he started shaking all over like he's having a chill. And he shook there for a little bit, just shaking all over, you know, just trembling. And he got up and, and trembled down and walked down the aisle just to shaking all over, just like something was on him. And fell over the altar. And we all just sat there. We didn't move. Nobody even went down there to pray with him. We said, God started it. Let him finish it. <laughs> That's the trouble. We jump in there and try to help God. Oh, he can't get it done without us. We've got to get him there. But we all just sat there and he wept his way through. Bless God and came up shouting and saved. Glory. <laughs> I saw that happen more than once because ordinarily we didn't have sinners on Sunday morning. But when they came in, it was so powerful. They couldn't stand it. And, it, and nobody said a word sometimes. But then I would say to the congregation, now, see, we charge the atmosphere. Oh, yes, you charge the atmosphere. Because, you see, the house of God was there. And God indwelt the house. I'm not talking about the building, though it was there. And I said to him, now, you see, we came today. Anything goes this morning. We came to worship the Lord and to praise him. Now tonight we're coming for a different purpose. This is an evangelistic service. We didn't, we're not coming tonight to get a blessing. We're coming to be a blessing. We're not coming to get blessed or get something from God. We're coming to help others, get them saved, so everything won't go in this kind of a service, you see. And, and, and so we'd have a lot of good singing because the world likes good singing. And people would say all over town, you've got the best singing down there. We had a lot of specials and so on. You've got the best singers there are in town. But you know what? Every Sunday night, we got people saved, baptized the Holy Ghost, and he, just a common occurrence, just a normal thing. You know that didn't happen 
just because that was a common occurrence. It wasn't always common in every other church I pastored. It was because, dear brother, sister, we had charged the atmosphere with the presence of God. And when you come in that night, that, that presence was still lingering there in that building. That presence was still there. Praise God. Well, how here in the Old Testament in God's house, how did it come about? When they became as one, they had unity. And then, dear friends, they made one sound in griping and complaining. Huh? No. In praising, in praising, in praising, in praising, in praising, and thanking the Lord. And they were praising the Lord and thanking the Lord, the whole congregation, right out loud. And then it was that the house was filled with the cloud. Then the manifestation of his glory came. Let's look for just a moment here in the Acts of the Apostles. Turn with me here to Acts. Let's, let's, let's notice some things here. Acts chapter 2, talking about the early church. And they continued daily with one accord. See that one accord business again? That's why they had such a mighty manifestation of God's presence. They continued with one accord, daily with one accord, in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, and did eat their meat with gladness, not sadness, gladness, and singleness of heart, praising God. Hallelujah and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added daily to the church such as should be saved. Look into the 16th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. You're familiar with the story. Paul and Silas are in jail. They've been whipped. Their backs are bleeding. Their feet are in stocks. They have been put into the inner prison. The 24th verse said, Who having received the jailer received such a charge, thrust them in the inner prison, made their feet fast in the stocks. Verse 25, At midnight Paul and Silas prayed, both of them did, and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. They weren't quiet about it. They heard them. They heard them. You notice it was while they were singing praises unto God. You notice it was as they were singing praises unto God that the manifestation of his glory came. And that old jail shook, bless God, and every door flew open. And the stocks fell off of their feet. The jailer thought everybody had escaped and he knew he'd be killed. He started to fall on his sword and take his life. Paul said, sir, do yourself no harm. We're all here. And he called for a light and sprang in and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Glory to God when they began to sing and to praise God. You see, there's so much said in the New Testament as well as old about praising God. But listen, God's the same God as he was then. The difference is that the house of God is a different house, that's all. It's the church where it was a literal physical house back there then. The Bible said God inhabits the praises of his people. That's the reason we praise him. He inhabits the praises of his people. Turn back with me to the book of Psalms. Now to get the full import of this, you need to realize that Psalms, the book of, we call it the book of Psalms, you know. There's 150 Psalms here. In the Hebrew Bible, it's really five books. 
There are five books of Psalms. These 150 are divided into five. They correspond to the first five books of the Bible. And these five books of Psalms were Israel's prayer and song book. Hallelujah. I want you to notice how much it talks about thanks and giving praise. Now, for instance, let's just open my Bible here and just look at a few of them. This is not near all of them. Notice, this was their prayer and song book. Notice the 105th Psalm, the very first verse said, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing unto him. Sing unto him. Sing unto him. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, glory to God, and sang praises to one another. No, unto him. Amen, that's New Testament as well as Old Testament. Sing praise unto him. Look in the 13th chapter of Acts. Those five brethren down there who were prophets and teachers along with Barnabas and Saul was two of them. The second verse, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, ministered to the Lord, what do you suppose they did? Well, bless God, there's praying, praising God. That's what they're doing, singing praise unto God. The Holy Ghost said, the Holy Ghost said, the Holy Ghost said, the Holy Ghost said. You see, that's the kind of atmosphere that God says something in. That's the kind of atmosphere that brings a manifestation of the presence of God among us. And we need the, 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 the manifestation of his presence among us as well as the manifestation of his presence in us. Now, sing unto the Lord. Sing unto him. Sing song, psalms unto him. Talk ye of his wondrous ways. Hallelujah. Now look at the 106th Psalm. Praise ye the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Hallelujah. Give him praise and thanks. 107th Psalm. Notice how they begin. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Glory to God. How do you say so? By giving thanks unto the Lord and crying out, he's good and his mercy endureth forever. Look at the 108th Psalm. Oh God, my heart is fixed. I wish we had some more hearts that were fixed. Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Awake, psaltery and harp. I must myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, in quietness and not to let anybody know about it. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. Woo! Glory. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. And I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great above the heavens and thy truth reacheth unto the clouds. Now, look at the 111th Psalm. Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Just when I'm by myself? No. In the assembly of the upright and in the congregation, I'll praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Look at the 112th Psalm, very first verse. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. 
Look at the beginning, the first verse of the 113th Psalm. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Pray from the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name, bless God, is to be praised. Hallelujah. 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 The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high? Thank God. Thank God. Now, look at the 117th Psalm. Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. What for? For his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. Look at the next one. Oh, give thanks. That's the same thing. Give thanks unto the Lord. For he is good, because his mercy endureth forever. Let Israel now say... Hallelujah, that his mercy endure forever. And that applies to us to this say it. His mercy endure forever. Glory to God. Can you say amen? amen? Well, now there's a number. Now let's turn over towards the end of this, these books of Psalms, or as we call it, the book of Psalms, 150. Let's start in with this 146th one. Let's learn something about praise God. Remember he said he inhabits the praises of his people. That means he lives there. Praise ye the Lord. 146 Psalm, first verse. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Look at the 147th Psalm, very first verse. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God. For it is pleasant, and praise is comely. Hallelujah. Look at the 148th Psalm. Praise ye the Lord, Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his host. Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all your stars of light. Praise him, ye heaven of heavens and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he hath commanded, and they were created. He hath also established them forever and ever. He hath made a decree which shall not pass. Praise ye the Lord from the earth. Hallelujah. Now look at the 149th. Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song. And his praise 
in the congregation of saints. Sing and praise in the congregation of the saints. Hallelujah. Now then, look at the 150th Psalm, how he closes out then this book. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. You remember the text we read from the Amplified, 1 Corinthians 3.16? Do you not discern and understand that ye, the whole church at Corinth, are God's temple, his sanctuary? Praise ye the Lord in his sanctuary. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psalter and harp. Praise him with the timbrel. And dance. Praise him with the string instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'll tell you the glory's here. I just read that first verse of this 149th Psalm. Praise ye the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise in the congregation of the saints. But it went on to say, let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Well, now paraphrasing that language, you see it's the Lord that made the church, not us. He's the one who built his house. Amen. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Did you know we're children of Zion? Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. Did you know that singing and dancing originally belonged to God and his people? See, the devil stole it. The devil stole it and perverted it. Amen. Well, let's just don't let him have it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. For the Lord. Now, let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. What does it mean? He takes pleasure in his people praising him in the dance. 
He's pleased. Now some old molly grub said, I don't like it. Well, I know the devil and his crowd don't either, but that's all right. God does. He talks about rejoicing here. He talks about being joyful. He talks about praising his name in the dance. He talks about singing praises unto him with the timbrel and heart. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. What does he mean? He takes pleasure in his people doing that. That's what he means. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Glory to God. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Yeah, act this way at home too. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. The word of God's the sword of the Spirit, but get the high-sounding praises in your mouth. Praise God. Now listen. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and the two-edged sword in their hand. Now you know the Bible, Old New Testament, take, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God's that two-edged sword. We got a lot of people, you know, running around with the Bible in their hand, and they're, they're oh yeah, I'm a Word person, but they look like they've been eating sour grapes. <laughs> Amen. Never smile, no joy. Look ugly. He said he'll beautify the meek with salvation. Never smile. No joy. That don't sound like this, does it? Yeah, take the two-edged sword in your spirit, uh, the spirit in your hand, the word of God, all right. But you're not going to take the two-edged sword, you know, and be mad and cut people with it. Do any good. No, bless God, let the high praises of God be in your mouth. You'll do it with praise and thanksgiving. Folks will want it. I said they'll want it. Hallelujah. I want you to turn to 137th Psalm. We're not done yet. 137th Psalm. By the rivers of Babylon there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. Israel was in captivity in Babylon, you see. For there, they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth. Sing, sing us one of the songs of Zion. You see, these songs of Zion, we just got through reading some of them. They're, they're always full of joy. Do you notice that? And praise. They went on to say, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? That's reading a lot of folks can't sing. They're, they're living out on the devil's territory. Acting like the devil, living like the devil. Amen. Now turn back to the 126th Psalm. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion. See, a while ago they said, sing one of the songs of Zion. How are we going to sing one of the songs of Zion when we're in captivity? But now when the Lord turned the captivity of Zion, he delivered Israel from Babylon. We were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter. Oh, glory to God. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. When the Lord 
turned again the captivity of Zion. Then was our mouth filled with laughter. And our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Glad. Praise God. Glad. 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 Turn to the 29th Psalm. Verse 1. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Hallelujah. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. Now you understand when he talks about the voice of the Lord here, he's using the type. He's talking about the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost. And you understand in the Bible, waters, many waters, water is a type sometimes of the Holy Ghost. But many waters and seas and oceans and so on are type of multitudes and people. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He make them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Siren like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve and discovers the forest. And in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. Did you know that this is a Pentecostal psalm? Huh? Yeah, this is a Pentecostal psalm. He starts out by give, give, give. Pentecostal people are the biggest givers you've ever seen in your life. Amen. Give everything they got. Oh, I know. We've got two type of folk among us sometimes. Kickers and givers. The givers never kick and the kickers never give. <laughs> give. And then he went from giving to worship. Hallelujah. And then he said the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord is the Holy Ghost. This is a type of the Holy Ghost. It's upon the waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. You see, Lebanon had those giant cedars. But the voice of the Lord breaketh. See, what does that mean? They don't come too big for God. Amen. There's a fellow I remember one church I pastored. Somebody asked, one of the men asked me, said, Brother, you think Mr. So-and-so will never be saved? I said, well, I don't know. I hadn't thought about it. Why? Well, he said he'd been coming here for 23 years, you know, and he's just gospel hardened. I asked some of the deacons and some of the men. They said, no, we don't pray for him anymore. I don't think he'll ever be saved. I said, I wouldn't say that. They don't get too hard for God. Well, I, I left that church and went my way, and I heard Mr. So-and-so got saved. I said, how'd that happen? Well, I said, this little 16-year-old girl went out of the altar and got baptized in the Holy Ghost. He was sitting way back in the back. He'd, his wife was saved. He'd come with her. 
and said, this girl just suddenly got up and stood up, had her eyes shut. Don't know how she knew where the aisle was because she's way off over here. You know, wasn't right now. But with her eyes shut, just walked down the aisle with her hands uplifted, talking in tongues. When she went by him, he ran out between the seats and made a run for the altar and slid into the altar like he's sliding into second base. <laughs> Time he slid into the altar, he is talking in tongues. God saved him coming down the aisle, filled up the Holy Ghost and he got down there. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, they don't come too big for God. He said when she went by, something got all over him. It's the power of God. That's what it was. He breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. Hallelujah. Notice he said, he maketh them also to skip like a calf. Certainly some folks are skipping around here a while ago. Lebanon and Siron like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divides the flame of fire. See, I told you this is a Pentecostal psalm. The day of Pentecost is fully come there in one accord in one place. Suddenly came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting there. There's divided unto them flames of fire like as a fire, tongues of fire and set upon each of them. He divided the flames of fire. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak the other tongue the Spirit gave them up. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. Yea, the Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. Remember, Israel got up there to Kadesh Barnea and sent the spies in to spy out the land. He shakes the wilderness, he shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. Praise God forevermore. All those doubters are going to get shook up, boys. The rest of us are going on in. Hallelujah. Amen. Now listen, listen. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve. You see, the Holy Ghost, we read, you know, after the Holy Ghost come upon you, you'll be witnesses. The Holy Ghost will make you a soul winner. And in his temple, that's what I wanted to get to. I just throwing all that other in for good measure. I wanted to get to that night, latter part of that night. In his temple, now remember what we read? Remember? Remember 1 Corinthians 3? Get, get ready now. Get ready. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Do you not discern and understand that ye the whole church at Corinth are God's temple? Hallelujah. 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 Now let's read this. And in his temple, King James says, doth everyone speak of his glory. Actually, the literal Hebrew says, in his temple, remember that's us. Do you not discern and understand? Now get ready. Do you not discern and understand that the whole church at Corinth are God's temple and his spirit dwelleth in you collectively See, you're God's temple. And in his temple, it said here, King James said, doth everyone speak of his glory. The Hebrew literally reads, in his temple doth everyone say glory. 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 Let's all stand up and say glory. Glory, glory, glory. Thank God. If you have your Bibles, you can open them and read it with me. I'm instructed by the Spirit of God to do something. 
Open your Bibles to the sixth chapter of Romans. Now at the same time, turn back for just a moment to Second Chronicles chapter 20. Here in this 20th chapter of Second Chronicles, three armies came against Jehoshaphat and Judah. They didn't have armies or men sufficient to meet them. They went to God in prayer. Spirit of God came upon one of the congregation. He stood up, tells who he is and prophesied, told them what to do. And they rose, the 20th verse said, early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa, because that's what the Spirit told them to do. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. Now you see, if God says something through some of his ministry gifts, if you don't believe it, you won't prosper in what was said. I'm saying that to you because I want you to prosper in what we're about to say because the Spirit of God instructed me. Now notice Romans 6, 4. Therefore we are baptized with him, that's Jesus, by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Now that glory we read about all through the Old Testament we read about. He was raised up by the glory of the Father. Now notice. Notice the 8th chapter of Romans and the 11th verse. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead. Now he calls the glory of the Father the Spirit then. Then the Spirit of God is the glory of God. You, you, you feel the glory of God. You sense it sometimes. Sometimes you see it as it was manifested in the Old Testament like a cloud. But, and the glory is here tonight. See, in us and among us. The glory is manifested among us. And is in us. Now get this. Let's read the rest of that verse. But if the spirit of him, or let's put it this way, the glory of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, quicken, quicken your mortal bodies. No, this is talking about when you'll be resurrected. Your body's not mortal when it's resurrected. Mortal means doomed to death. It's already died. This is talking about now. Shall quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, the Lord said, minister that way tonight. You know, I thought about it and said something about it. We'd lay hands on sick. But he said, no, no, no. Tell them, if they'll believe in the prophet, so in the, in the Lord, so shall they be established. In his holy prophets, so shall they prosper. That glory that's been manifest among us here, we've seen the results of it, is in you. And if he dwell in you, he'll quicken. Quicken means make full of life. Not full of death. Not full of death. Not full of sickness. Not full of disease, full of life. Yeah. 
Hallelujah. Now I'm authorized by the Spirit of God to tell you, no matter what you feel or don't feel, if you'll begin to laugh, that quickening power will do its job. That concludes this message. For more information about Kenneth Hagin Ministries, call 1-888-283-2484 or visit our website at www.rhema.org or write Kenneth Hagin Ministries, Post Office Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150-0126. And in Canada, write Kenneth Hagin Ministries, Post Office Box 335, Station D, Etobicoke, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, M9A4X3.